Be advised, the following episode contains content that may not be appropriate for all audiences. I can lock myself up in a closet and I can pray and read the Bible and all that, but I'm still gay. This is Diary of a Nation. I'm your host, Christina Zlotnick. My podcast explores the human experience in an effort to help us better understand one another. Fausto Di Iagne emigrated from Italy as a child. He lives in New Hampshire where he works as a hairstylist. He loves to sing and he's gay. Fausto, tell me about the place where you grew up near Naples place was called Rocca Monfina. It was a little town on top of a volcano that erupted many, many years ago. How was your childhood? I was always a nervous wreck and I was always scared because at nighttime I knew my father was going to come home drunk and violence would start. Did he hit you? No, but my mom was. That's hard to see. Yeah, and I saw a lot of it. So I think I blocked a lot of it out. It was like kind of good during the day and then horrible at nighttime. And I mean, my father was a good person when he wasn't drunk. He never really hit his kids and he didn't like it when my mom hit us either. But when he was drunk, he would always take things out on my mother for some reason. My father's sister lived with us ever since we all of us kids were born. She's the one that gave me like all the affection and the love and that I'm grateful for because if I didn't have her, I wouldn't know what love would be. So your mother couldn't provide that for you? No. I mean, she had to wash all clothes by hand. That took three, four days out of the week and all the cleaning and the cooking. I mean, my aunt helped her with all that too. But, you know, having four boys and and my father to deal with and we didn't have all the accommodations like you have here. So she didn't have much time for us, you know. When did you know you were gay? I would say seven What did that mean to be gay? What did you understand that to be as a seven-year-old? So when we were getting ready to move to the States, my cousins were coming from Germany and Rome and to come and say goodbye because we were pretty much all leaving. So my cousin and her fiancé from Germany came and my parents had already left. I remember when they walked through the door and I'm sitting like on top of a, a window shelf, like, you know, And I looked at him and I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) Then I knew. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what it felt like. Yeah, I was just like infatuated with this guy. And and then I knew that I was different, you know. But I had a crush on my first grade teacher, a woman. Did you? That's different than what you felt, though. How do you explain the difference? I wanted to be with him all the time. I wanted him to like me even though he liked my other brother better, but I wasn't the center of his attention, you know what I mean? And then I knew that I was different than than my brothers. Your family eventually settles in Schenectady, New York. How was life growing up there? That was still hard because, you know, we were learning how to speak English. We didn't know anybody. And at home was still bad, you know, with my father drinking and kind of was even worse here because he hated it when we came here and he would just like get drunk and take everything out on family. And yeah, all that didn't stop until I was like 16. 
almost 17. Why did that stop then? Because my father got older, and uh, we were all older. And then if he did start something, we would just jump up and stand in front of him and say, okay, what, what do you want to do now? And then he started to get sick because of the drinking. And, and then he kind of almost died one night. And then after that, he kind of like slowed down and things kind of stopped, which was kind of good. And then as soon as I hit 18, I was out of there. But they were married till he died. Yep. I used to tell my mom, why didn't you divorce him when he, you know, when we were little instead of letting us go through all that? And she's like, where was I going to go? You know, I said, I said, what about your brothers and your sisters? They're like, nope, they wouldn't take me in with four kids. Did you grow up Catholic? Yes. Yeah. Are you religious? Not anymore. I'm more spiritual. Do you think being gay had anything to do with that transition? No, no. I think just by going to churches made me realize that religion, it hurts people more than than anything else. You know what I mean? Like my partner, he was married for 25 years, has four kids, and he was in a Mormon church. And then his wife divorced him, and then he came out as being gay, and they found out, and they went to his house and gave him a letter and said, you're not coming back to the church anymore. So that really hurt him. He wanted to be part of the church. Yeah. Yeah, but they, how do you say, they just... Excommunicated? Excommunicated him, yeah. I became a born-again Christian when I was 15. And that was like the best thing ever. Like, it was awesome. Did you have a friend who brought mm-hmm. you to a church? Yeah. My best friend from high school, uh, his mom's best friend, well, they all came from that church. They brought me and you know, at first it was kind of weird because people were like putting their hands up and all that, you know. It was really nice. Even though after a while I started to feel like, yeah, people were kind of like hypocrites a little bit. They were being nice to you just because of the Christian thing to do, but they weren't really like 100% real. Were you open about who you were? No, no, I wasn't at the time. Would they have accepted you? Probably not. They probably would have tried to do something to to try to get me to change, you know? So eventually you get married. Yeah, so I came out to my brothers when I was 18. My best friend came out to me first. Then I came out to him. Then I came out to my brothers. And then I lived my own life. I moved out of my parents' house at 18. I lived my own life. And then at 25, I met this woman from Colombia and I was living with her mother and brother at the time. And she was very Christian and Seventh-day Adventist. And I don't know, we just kind of like hit it off. I just like to be with her because, first of all, when I came out at 18, you know, that AIDS thing came out. It was full blown. And I was scared to death because anybody that I was with cheated on me and I didn't want to get sick and die. So when I met her, I actually was like, oh, this is great. She's like a really good friend. You know, we can go to church together. And I felt good. Did I feel I was doing something wrong? Um, yeah, I was scared, you know, because then she was like, you know, if we get married, you know, we'll go to church and God will heal you from all that. And I was like, okay, I wanted to give it a try, you know. So that means she knew you were gay. Yeah, yeah, she knew. She knew, but she didn't want to know. You know what I mean? I think she did love me, though. I mean, we were together for almost nine years. I don't think it was fake. 
And you loved her. Yeah, and I loved her. Yeah, but we stayed together for nine years. And then I just, at, at the end, it just got really crazy and I decided to end it. She's a Seventh-day Adventist. Yeah. They say homosexual practices are a perversion of God's original plan. She believed that. She believed all that. So she's conflicted, too. Yeah. She just probably thought she could change me. I don't know. It was really weird. And I didn't even realize this, but the whole time I was with her, and every church we used to go to, she'd go to the pastor and tell the pastor that her husband's gay, and if they could all pray for me. I didn't even know that was going on. I thought that was so evil. Behind your back? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, no wonder why some of the people looked at me kind of weird. <laughs> How did she come to suggest that we should pray away the gay? Oh, it was just like all the time. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, Carrie. Remember Carrie? Remember the mother in the movie? She was like, you got to pray, you got to pray. And that's the way she was. <clears throat> she always wanted me to pray. And I'm like, I can lock myself up in a closet and I can pray and read the Bible and all that. But I'm still gay. I was involved a lot with the singing at the time. So I, w I would always get invited to sing, which that was great. I love that. I made a lot of nice friends in the churches and stuff, you know. If they could just put that gay thing aside. One time she went to help her sister in... We lived in Jacksonville, Florida. And her sister lived in Atlanta, Georgia. And she was going to move back to Jacksonville because she lost her job there. <clears throat> so we went to dinner with her sister. And the sister goes to my ex-wife and said, Why don't you come back with me and help me pack and you know, and for like a couple of weeks... And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. You should go, you know, because she wasn't working anyway. I was working. When she left, oh, my God, I felt so free. I didn't know what to do with myself, you know. The first night, I was laying in bed, and I was, I had the Bible open, and I was crying and praying to God, you know, to change me. But I would just stay home and, and pray and cry on the Bible and to God and really, like, like a lot, you know. So if God was going to change anybody, he would have changed me. Because you prayed enough. Yes. For like almost nine years. You eventually realized this approach isn't going to work out. I got really close to God and I could feel God in, my, in me so much, you know. And at times, God used to say, this religion that you're in is not good for you. It was making me depressed. I was eating more. My experience with being with God and all that is happy, to be happy, not make you feel like you're a broken toy or something, you know? I used to have like conversations with her like, yeah, I don't agree in everything that you say. And of course, you know, she would go strictly to the Bible and what the Bible said. I mean, what I got out of it is that nobody can change. God created people who they are. When you were married and you and your wife were together, you were in Florida, right? Yes. Have you heard of this group called Exodus International? No. That organization was based in Florida, and they worked for about four decades to try to change people's sexual orientation. They used prayer and psychotherapy. 
They disbanded in 2013, and the president at the time apologized for the pain they caused, and he admitted that conversion therapy doesn't work. But to this day, the practice is still legal in 30 states, and that's wrong. People don't have a choice. Like, we don't, we didn't have a choice to be straight or gay. It just happens. Because when I was little, I used to think, oh my God, how how do I tell my family about myself? Because I have three older brothers. I really believe one of them was bisexual. But the other two, they all had girlfriends, and I was the only different one. My father, you know, was an alcoholic and mean when he was drunk. I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep this to myself. <laughs> Did you tell your mother and father at one point? No, the thing was is that when I left her, she called my parents and, and told them that I left her for a guy. So she called everybody that we knew. Oh, Fausto left me for a guy. My mother didn't really give my father a lot of credit and a lot of things. I think my father knew and he was okay with it. My mother is more a warrior. Oh, what is your father going to say? Who cares what he's going to say? What do you say, you know? And then my dad passed away. My mom's fine with it. All my brothers are fine with it. One brother didn't speak to me for two years, though. And he was kind of like my favorite one at the time. But apparently he had a bad experience with a gay person in Italy. He told his wife about it. And then she told me. And I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of, you know, understandable. The LGBTQ plus community, according to the FBI is the most targeted minority for hate crime violence in this country. How is your life today as a gay man? Well, I'm still not okay with it, like 100%. You know, I work I work at the salon with nine, ten other girls, and, and they all love me and everything. And uh, But I'm, I'm still not okay with telling people that I'm gay and have a partner. I mean, if they ask me, I tell them the truth because what's the point in lying? Is it because of the hate out there? Yeah. You know, you don't know how people are going to react. Like I had one client and she loved me. And she came a couple of times and then she never came back. And she wanted me to go to her house and and all this stuff. And then she never come back. And then um, I met someone that knew her. And I said, oh my God, whatever happened to her? Was she okay? And... I was like, I really thought we were going to be friends, you know? And she's like, yeah. She goes, her husband is not a fan of gay people. Oh. So he's, I think he stopped her from coming because he didn't want me to be involved with her and all that. That was kind of hurtful. And I'm such a positive person. I think people come to me and to feed off of me. Like, they don't get attention. You know, they don't get... They come to Fausto. They come. They're like, I got to get so my much. Fausto hug. What are we going to do now? I can't hug anybody. But they do. they like, oh, my God, I got to get I gotta get my Fausto in. You know, it's, a, it's not so much about my hair anymore. It's about being with you. They just love being with me. So what do you want people to know, especially young people who are struggling with their sexuality? I think a lot of them now are, are confused. Like, are they like a, a, a man or a woman? They're not sure which I don't really understand that because I didn't really go through that. I think when I was in my younger teens, like 12, 13, I kind of felt more feminine. 
And then as I got 18, 19, 20, then I became a man again. <laughs> it was like a little phase, you know. <laughs> for, for the younger people, just I think they're a lot open now than they were, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Um, with Facebook, you know, they have a boyfriend, they put themselves on Facebook and they hug and kiss. We never did any any of that. But I think just to really just be yourself. My boss that I had in, in when I was working at a salon in New York, he was married, his wife, he was Italian, his wife was from um, Switzerland. She was a dedicated Catholic person, so she did not believe in being gay. But he was like a saint. I loved him, not so much her. You know, the girls at the salon, I didn't tell them that I was gay when I first started there, and they're all wondering and asking me questions, but I won't give them the satisfaction of... Oh, they were digging already. Oh, yeah, yeah. The minute they meet you, they're digging. And I'm like, I was married for nine years. I don't know what you're talking about. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Your gaydar is off. It was off. <laughs> Leave me alone. Yes. So one day, my, me and my boss used to drive in together. We started carpooling, you know, and one of the girls said to him... Oh, God, you guys do everything together now. You know, I think Fausto's gay. Aren't you worried about that? And he came up to me, said, I don't care if you're gay. I said, I love you because of Fausto. He goes, I actually love you more than my three sons or two sons that he had. God's not going to punish us for being gay. It's it's love. God is love. And that's, that's all it is. It's love. You have to just be yourself and love people. Treat people with respect. You know, treat people the way you want to be treated, and then it'll come back to you. Well, I think as we know, sexuality is a continuum. Yeah. So now we are too learning that gender is right. a spectrum. I have a client, and she's a girl, but yet she feels more like a, a, a man. And that doesn't mean that she wants to be with women, you know, I think she still wants to be with boys, but she just wants to dress like a guy and just be a guy. So that's fine. I'm sure that's totally understandable on her part. Her mom said, I wish you would just tell me that you're gay and then I could be fine with it. But it's like, it's not that simple. Everybody is different. I, ju I just think that God just created everybody so different. I mean, the world would really be a boring place if everybody was the same, right? It's just society and, and, you know, people in high places is are what make makes everything so difficult. I mean, yeah, so the Bible is inspired by God, but, you know, a lot of people have written it. I went to a, a Catholic church, a priest, because I was, like, devastated. I'm like, oh, my God, am I going to go to hell, you know, and I don't want to go there. So I went to talk to him, and um, he went and he got a Bible, and he showed me all the places in the King James Bible that condemns gay people. And in that Bible, none of that was in there. None of that was in there. And it meant something totally different. So they've interpreted it so many times that now they've made it to where the world wants it to be. Fine, man and woman, yeah, that's great. Have kids, you know, who doesn't want that? I would have, want when I was married, I wanted kids. You know, I thought that was going to be fun. But to be in, in love with someone... It, it's just not, I was lying to her anyway. So I'm going to go to hell. I was going to go to hell either way. I was lying to her. I was lying to myself. So what's the point here? Are you at peace now? 
Now I am, yes. I, well, maybe I shouldn't say that. I, I don't think you're ever really at peace. You know what I mean? As a human being? As a human being. Or as being. a gay man in a society that doesn't always accept you? Kind of both, you know, because I would still love to be in, involved with the church and sing for God and just feel all that love again. You know, I would love that. But then I'm scared to go into a church because I know if they find out that I'm gay, you know, what are they going to do? Not all of them. Not all of them. I did find one that I was going to actually go to, and then all this happened, and I didn't go back. The pandemic. Yeah. Is being gay from God, or is it not? I have no idea. I think it just is. It just is, you know? I have brown hair. Right. And gray. Yes. (laughs) And it's curly. Yeah. I never thought I was going to find the right person. Like every every guy I've been with by relationship only lasted a couple of years. And then, um, but when I met uh, Bill, my partner that I have now, it was like we knew we knew each other from another life or something. It was really strong, and I've been with him for it's nine years now, and I never have any doubts to want to leave this guy. That know? feels right. Feels really right. <laughs> He's awesome good guy. We've had our problems with, he's had some health issues with a lot of things. And I went through a lot of bad things. But God kept giving me the strength to stay with him. If I didn't have that, I would have been gone like, you know, the first year with him. Let's switch gears and talk about your love of singing. Who are you influenced by? And where are you today with respect to singing? There was three things inside me that I always wanted to accomplish in my life, like that I knew I wanted to do. One of them, I knew I loved to sing. As I got older, I wanted to do hair, and I wanted to learn how to speak Spanish. So I pretty much accomplished all three of them. And I'm still accomplishing more with the singing. Because singing opera is a lifetime thing. When I was little in Italy... I, my mom said I sang before I could even speak. So that was always there. Everybody knew that I could sing. And I was like, how do they know I could sing? Obviously, I used to sing a lot. Everything with my singing kind of like opened up. Like I met my best friend from school. His mother's best friend uh, gave voice lessons. And I was like, what is that? He goes, well, she teaches people how to sing. And I was like, oh my God, will she teach me how to sing? You know, to tell you the truth about my singing, when I was like... 14 or 15, maybe 16, I saw Pavarotti on PBS. And once I heard him sing, I said, that's the way I want to learn how to sing. So that's what I strove for, is to be an opera singer. But it wasn't easy. My singing with me was more of um, like a therapy. That one hour a week to me was just like letting all the frustrations out. When I was 18, 19, I was like, yeah, I want to be famous, you know. But it's just because I wanted people to love me. And uh, that wasn't a good enough reason to become famous. So by the time I was like 22, 23, I'm like, well, I think this is not going to happen. <laughs> you know? But As I, a career. As a career. But I still loved to sing and I still did a lot of things. And I just, can't, you know, continue it. I work, I pay for my own lessons, and I've never asked anybody to pay for my voice classes that uh, I always did that. And then I, you know, then the hair thing came along and, and that was like meant to be because it just happened overnight. It was like going to hair school. Okay. And then next thing you know, I graduated and I got into it. You know what I mean? Have you given concerts? Uh, yeah, I did a lot of concerts, a lot of, uh, I did like telethon work, 
a lot of uh, talent shows and concerts at the time. But but then um, as I got older, oh, then I got married and all, you know, all that stuff was just, it kind of like came and went. And and then I couldn't, I never was able to sing like Pavarotti. So that was kind of discouraging. (laughs) I don't think that's ever going to happen. But I get to the point in my life where I'm like, it has to happen. Somebody out there has to be able to teach me how to do it. And I'm like, and if they would just tell me what to do, I know that I can do it, you know? Right. You just need some assistance. Yeah. And I and I I when I moved here with Bill, I was so happy with him. Like I was in heaven. I was like, I don't need to sing anymore. This is amazing. I'm with the person that I love. I don't I know I and I I love to do hair and and then two months went by, and I'm like on the computer looking for a voice teacher. <laughs> well, you know that's your passion then. That's how you know. Yeah. So I went through a few teachers here and had one that was taking me back to New York. And I was like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. I know if a teacher is good for the first two or three lessons, and then I know that it's just, you can go back to them for five years and you're not going to get anywhere. So... At the end of every, um, as soon as a new year starts, something changes, shifts inside me, and I quit people that I know are not good in my life, and I move to new ones. That's smart. Yeah. Something from above said, go online, and you will find the right one. This was really weird, right? So I get online, and I got, I don't know, like 30 voice teachers, and and I just look for tenors like me, because I figured if they can sing those high notes, they'll be able to to help me. So three of them came up. I emailed all three of them, sent out the emails. The one that I have now, I saw him. I Googled him. He had a website. I heard him sing. And I was like, oh my God, I hope he calls me. I just had a good feeling about him. Next day we got up. It was Monday. We went, did some errands with Bill, doctors and stuff. I'm checking my emails and I didn't see anything, you know, in the morning. And I said, well, they're probably not even like in school yet or didn't even check their emails. When I came back home around 2.30 in the afternoon, I saw my email and the guy that I wanted emailed me. So I called him. And when I went to him the first time, I mean, I was on cloud nine. It came from above. I think whoever is watching over me said, all right, come on, guys, let's give this guy the teacher that he needs because he's not getting any younger. And let's make it happen for him. And it and it's happened. To close out this episode, we talked beforehand about you choosing a song to sing for us. What would you like to sing, and could you start out by giving us some background on the song? This song uh, called Amor Tivieta. It's from uh, an opera called Fidora, and it has an, a high A in it, and it was my nightmare song. Every time I would get to the A, I would crack. My voice would just give out because I didn't know how to get to the high notes. And when I started with my voice teacher, he started me with that song and it was like dreadful because I just knew, (laughs) you know what I mean? And, but we got past it. Oh, 
les preme What a voice he has. What a gift to this world. PFLAG connects parents and families and allies with people who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer. If you need support or you just want to learn more, visit pflag.org. Do you have a compelling story? Or do you know someone I should interview? Drop me a line at diaryofanation at gmail.com. Please tell a friend to listen, too. That's how we grow our audience and continue podcasting. Find Diary of a Nation through your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Diary of a Nation.